0: Re 112 retrace 112 for January 10th, 2023. Uh, we're talking about attention hazards, the attention economy, the attention distraction economy, following on from uh, recent discussions. and let's get into it. So what is a what is an attention hazard or what is the attention hazard? Well first, it's a subcategory or, or a form of information hazard. This comes from Bostrom. Um, uh, Bostrom 2011, which is uh, his information hazards, a typology of potential harms from knowledge paper. Um, An information hazard is a risk that arises from the dissemination or the potential dissemination of true information that may cause harm or enable some agent to cause harm. Um, So we're talking about Artificial intelligence and the problem of control, or human compatibility, or um, superintelligence—all—all all the things that can go wrong in artificial intelligence. And then that leads us to the question of, well, can you solve the design problem? We talked about that yesterday. Um, and if solving the—if you can solve the d- design problem, does that still make it probable that the um, the the risk or the hazard? Uh, is solved as well. And the answer is uh, at least prima fascia no. Okay, so uh, why? Because um, you just because you've uh, made it possible uh, to design human compatible artificial intelligence, um, or anything else, you know, synthetic biology is another a big one to think about, uh, doesn't mean that you've made it probable. And the question comes down to controlling humans as opposed to controlling the design of the whatever, artificial intelligence system or synthetic biology. So if we're talking about controlling humans, we're talking about controlling information, maybe, or at least that's part of it. So an information hazard then is a risk that arises from that information uh, disseminating true information that may cause harm or enable some agent to cause harm. Um, And the reason that it, uh, the reason that, um, uh, well, let's talk first, okay. So attention uh, hazards is one format of information that uh, Bostrom talks about. The others, he distinguishes are data, idea, the, the data format, the idea format, the template format, signaling and evocation, we're not going to talk about those today. Um, but the attention hazard is this, the mere drawing of attention to some particularly, uh, a particularly potent or relevant ideas or data increases uh, risk, even when these ideas or data are already known. Uh, so drawing attention to things that even if they're already known by some definition of known uh, can increase risk. And the reason is that you're basically physically increasing the number of locations of the information, so if, if uh, five people uh, on Earth are aware of the dangerous thing, the dangerous AI design or the dangerous synthetic biology design, uh, that's one state that you can be in, one problematic state. If five thousand or five million people are aware of it, then any entity, human or otherwise, uh, any agent, uh, has a better chance of finding that information in the um, in the. Oh, the uh, state space, um, because there's just it's just in more locations. Okay, so the information is in more locations. Um, let's let's talk in detail. Uh, let's listen to Bosserman detail about uh, the attention hazard. Because there are countless avenues for doing harm, an adversary faces a vast search task in finding out which avenue is most likely to achieve his goals. Drawing the adversary or its goals, you might say, drawing the adversary's attention to a subset of Uh, especially potent avenues can greatly facilitate the search. For example, if we focus our attention on our, and our discourse on the challenge of defending against viral attacks, this may signal to an adversary that viral weapons as distinct from say, conventional explosives or chemical weapons constitute an especially promising domain in which to search for destructive applications. The better we manage to focus our defensive deliberations on our greatest vulnerabilities, the more useful our conclusions may be to a potential adversary. Um, I might add that he wrote superintelligence, uh, the, the long uh, discourse on the risks of uh, superintelligent AI, uh, three or four years after he wrote this 2011 paper. So that's, it's interesting, and, and he tells us why in a second here. Um, okay. just want to call out the parallels between his description of an attention hazard and, and uh, the, the, the structure of the risk and just the nature of textbook AI as defined by uh, Russell and Norvig, AMA4E. Uh so we're talking about adversaries um uh, and search. And chapter five, the title is Adversarial Search in Games. And he doesn't uh he doesn't always use the word agent, but he often uses the word agent. So he uses it uh here up uh, defining information hazard and where else agent uh is that the only place? Um uh, but he uses the word adversary, and uh, we can think of agents as being potential adversaries and also uh, potential cooperators or, or allies. Um, but uh, fundamentally, we're talking about adversarial search and games uh, as, defi- as described in uh, Russell and Norvig, Chapter 5, and then intelligent agents is the title of Chapter 2. Solving problems by searching is Chapter 3, and then drawing attention can facilitate – uh, you know, attention to a sub- drawing attention uh, to a subset of especially potent avenues can greatly facilitate the search. That's heuristics. Okay, that's informed search. You're doing informed search. You talk about a lot about heuristics in AMA, uh and in artificial intelligence in general. It's section 3.5 and 3.6. If you want to go get started on it, that's just where they start talking about it. It's certainly not the end. Uh, the dilemma that he describes is that basically, if we focus on risk, um, we also lead the a- the adversary agent. To our vulnerabilities. Okay, that's a dilemma. We, we, I, it's, do we want to f- concentrate on a problem and try and solve it um, at the risk of telling our enemies wh- whomever or whatever they might they may be now or in the future? Um, because remember, remember everything's being recorded now. So you know anything that's discussed now is a- and you know almost certainly going to be disseminated and available worldwide via the internet. Um, do we want to do that at the risk of informing our enemies, giving them heuristics? Um, the the trade off, the dilemma. Is that uh, if we don't, then we're going to be less prepared. And um, he uh, and, and I would also add here that uh, you can compare his other paper, uh, 2019, which was after the um, the uh, uh, superintelligence book um, on the vulnerable world hypoth- uh, hypothesis, which is about the policy implications of unrestrained technological innovation given the unknown risk of self-destructing innovators. And self-destructing innovators innovators is my term, uh, but it just basically means like either a a whole civilization or a group or an individual who invents a technology that destroys itself. Okay, so a self-destructing innovator is, um, you can see them, you can see small versions of it, you can see uh, 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 externally destructing innovators, but the self-destructing civilization, we don't have an example of that yet, but that might be a selection effect, we might not, be able to have one, because if there were one, we would not be here, okay, um, but he says uh, still, one likes to believe that on balance investigations into existential uh, risks and most other risks risk areas uh, will tend to reduce rather than increase the risks of their subject matter. um one likes to believe is the phrase he uses there later, I don't know what he says about it, but uh, there you know that's just um that's hopeful, okay. Uh, let's talk about secret suppression. He talks about it. Clumsy attempts to suppress discussion after uh, often backfire. Uh, an adversary who discovers an attempt to conceal an idea may infer that the idea could be of great value. Secrets have a special allure. And I would just call out here that this is basically the Streisand effect. Uh, Wikipedia defines it as the way attempts to hide, remove, or censor information can lead to the unintended consequence of increasing awareness of that information. Basically, Barbara Streisand, there was something on the internet that she didn't want to be there, so she made a big deal out of it. Nobody would would have noticed it had she not made the big deal. She made the big deal. Now everybody knows about it. So much so that it's earned a, it, it's earned a, a place in the taxonomy of effects, okay? Um, finally, let's talk about the attention economy. Bostrom doesn't talk about this, but it stood out to me. Uh, might the attention economy one day or even already be a solution, and that's in, in heavy quotes there, uh, an elite solution at that, to the, the attention hazard? Uh, so what I mean by that is basically if if drawing attention If we think of attention on an idea as uh, replicating the idea um, and drawing attention to it increases the replication and increases the chances that it could be used against us if it's dangerous information, um, suddenly the attention economy looks like a great thing because it draws people's attention uh, away from – it it draws their attention toward amusement. Uh, Overall, mostly what the attention economy is doing uh, is drawing people's attention toward amusement, TikTok, YouTube uh etc television uh radio um would it work against ai uh why not i mean ai is not th- that de- it's intelligence it's artificial intelligence it's like artificial flight you know things that can stop a thing stop a flying object from flying might have might you know we might know that they work well on birds but there's no reason to believe we couldn't you know more or less generalize those to work well on uh, jetliners um hopefully uh, something like Uh, Some strategy that would work to mitigate the risks of the attention hazard uh, uh, that that applies to dangerous information would work on AI as well as it would work on human adversaries. Um, Does it at least buy us time? Maybe. If it works at all, it could buy us time. Um, And then I just wanted to call out as well the idea of the wall facer. This comes from – I don't know. Liu. I I never learned to pronounce it last. The dark forest. This is the – uh, second book in the Remembrance of Things Past uh, trilogy, uh, which is the Three Body Problem, is, is the way that is the way that most people refer to it. Uh, the the Wall Facers were basically the human solution to the problem of these um, these incoming aliens who had spying devices uh, throughout the Earth that could see and hear everything that humans were doing, but they couldn't get in the minds of the humans. So the human uh you know it was the un in the story i think um designated a few people to be what they called wall facers people who basically were responsible for coming up with a plan to deal with the incoming aliens to save us from the incoming aliens um and they could not tell anybody what their plan was but everybody had to do everything they said and so there were several of them uh and you know the story plays out from there you know it's a very interesting premise uh what uh, is a wall facer idea? A solution to an attention hazard or an information hazard in general? I don't know. And it's, it's something to think about. But but speaking of you know elite solutions, imagining thing you know machinations behind the scenes, um, or, or in you know that behind the scenes would be the attention economy is somehow tied into all this, and wall facers is. You know, the idea if we were to all agree on something, it's just fiction. It's all just, you know, speculation playing with ideas. But if you want to think more, a little bit more about things going on, even though we don't know about them, you can go back to retrace number 30. We talked about it briefly at the end. Uh, what is being done in response to, you know, AI progress and technology might become an unacceptable solution to anything. Um, secrets are real. The whole problem of artificial superintelligence was laid out, by 20, uh, laid out by 2014 by Nick Bostrom, started by von Neumann. Um, Uh, uh, perhaps you know in a statement to Olam in the 1950s or I.J. Good in the 60s and like global warming it was understood by many people long before the public uh, discussion of it started Uh, but the world isn't filled with authors it's filled with primates primates do ponder uh, but they also do other things too and as as outsiders we and you cannot speak to what insiders are doing but it's safe to bet they are doing something that's the only point I'm trying to make there is that um, we shouldn't imagine that the the, the 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 primates out there who are capable of doing you know insiders uh, who are capable of doing things are not are just are not doing anything just because we can't see it okay that's it uh retrace 112 signing off same time tomorrow